This episode of Size Matters is brought to you by Duolith Boots and Footwear. Being a little larger than your average fur shouldn't mean that you have to give up your sense of fashion, too. And what's more fashionable than a pair of long, striking, thick-soled boots from your friends at Duolith? From ankle-high sporting boots perfect for hiking across your favorite mountain range to thigh-high leather boots that will turn the heads of anyone you pass, we've got it all. And don't worry about not being able to find a large enough pair. Whether you wear size 20 or 2,000, we have a pair that'll fit you. Just run, stomp, or even dance to your nearest Duolith boots and footwear store today. Or shop our entire catalog at www.bigoldboots.com. Duolith boots and footwear, because even the biggest paws deserve to look their best. This week on Size Matters, Tiern Avenrent stops on by to let us pick both the left and right sides of his brain. First, we ask for advice on how to start out as a macro artist and the things that are important to remember if you want to survive as one. Then, we try to determine how math can help us to figure out some amazing macro facts. What do you get if you add a dragon, cheetah, and a red panda, multiply by at least 200 feet, then divide it all by an amazing group of listeners? You're about to hear the answer as we're ready to begin Science Matters. Hey there, welcome to Size Matters episode 5. It's Monday, uh, August the 12th, 2013. I never end up saying the year, so hopefully people figure that out with the first few episodes. But yeah, it's still 2013. Uh, what and... year is it? <laughs> we have to go back! Marty! No. Marty! <laughs> I'm Quandry Bashir, your host, and Hi. joining me as always is Kinson Shimobi. Hi! And we do have a special guest also joining us on the podcast this week, Tiern Ever- 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 Everinth? Everinth? <laughs> Tiern Everinth, yes. Hello. Everinth. Everinth. All right. How are you doing, Tiern? Yes. I'm doing pretty good. Had a long week, but I'm glad to be out and looking forward to enjoying the weekend with you guys. Yeah. Oh, sprawls out over everything. I know. And Anyhow. I, I've just been having my own two days off, so I'm actually getting ready to start back tomorrow um so i don't get to enjoy the weekend too much but at least we get to have the podcast and be able to uh you know to have fun here before that gets gets underway yeah and Mm -hmm. unfortunately uh well not unfortunately fortunately my derps haven't prevented anything from going through they almost did just like always but lo and behold we're here well it's just a little matter of that little matter of time zones, you know. Ah, <laughs> I'm thinking yeah. that Taren lives well, on see, the, the East Coast is... when he really lives on the West Coast. But, 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 I but, said but Pacific. Zones, like... I said Pacific when you asked when you asked me. And, and you know, I kind of knew that you lived like from from watching you on Twitter and stuff. I knew that you lived on the West Coast. I was I, when Kenson was saying he said like South Carolina or something. I was like, that doesn't sound right at all. <laughs> and it was way off. <laughs> Everything looks the same though from five miles tall. <laughs> oh, I it's okay, Kenson. It's okay. We're getting the podcast recorded. That's the important thing. And we get to have fun and, and have fun with Tiern, who's someone we've uh, done a little bit of a shout out before in a previous episode. Uh, I know you did, Kenson. And uh, if, if you guys don't already know who Tiern is, uh, Tiern, Tiern, tell us a little bit about your uh, yourself and just how, I guess, your experience in the macro or furry community. 
I am pretty much an ordinary guy who just happens to be like drawing things that are of the larger variety. I started back in like 1997, I think. Um, I think the internet was just starting out then, and I figured out that, hey, there's actually other people out there who like to draw big things. And I basically just started drawing things that I saw in my apartment and like Godzilla action figures and, you know, stuff that I'd seen online. I started copying other people's artwork just so I could get a handle on how they drew it, why they drew it, and, you know, why certain things look the way they do. And I started using that to create my own stuff. And, you know, I started meeting other people who shared the interest. You know, uh, Ken Sample's probably the greatest influence on my work so far. Uh, he was probably the first person I really saw, and I still admire his work to this day. I started working and drawing and drawing and haven't really stopped yet, so uh, I'll let you know when I actually get good at it. Uh, I, th- I think the general consensus is in that that, no. that, that, that that time that Come you actually on. got good happened long ago. I look up to you so much. <laughs> Literally. And that's that's saying quite something for, for a mega <laughs> chief like like well, I suppose I've I've gone to art school now. I graduated last year with an art degree in uh, digital arts and animation. So I'm I'm looking for places to work. I'm enjoying the work that I have, and I'm trying to draw more so I can get better. Because there's always room for improvement. There's always yes, room there's to grow. There's always room to grow. Yeah, Yay! I got it first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But then also, you don't just draw though. Like, you do Flash animations, too, because I love sitting in your streams and just watching you do Flash, because, like, gosh, how do you do that? It's just basically learning how to use any other tool set. You take, you start out playing with it, learn what it can do, and then, you know, learn what... It's like picking up a set of paints, you know, what red, yellow, green, blue, all the paint colors do. But then you learn how to mix them together and to put them in the right places and how to get it to look right. Um, it's a lot of practice, and of course, DigiPen taught me a lot of the stuff about the 12 basic mm-hmm. principles of animation, uh, what you should do to draw. A lot of the people there actually were uh, ex-Disney animators or Disney oh artists and uh, background artists. Um, yeah, Anthony DeFato was my first uh, animation teacher, and he was the person who drew almost all of the frames of... No, I forget the cricket's name from Mulan. I forget his oh name, gosh. but he drew almost okay, all of the frames of that cricket. That's amazing. Because, like, like, just a little bit before the podcast, like, I'd heard that you had gone to DigiPen, and then, Juan, <laughs> you were like, oh my gosh, that's really awesome, DigiPen. I'm like, what's DigiPen? I've sort of heard of it. He's like, what's DigiPen? Are you serious? And then he explained it. I'm like, oh my gosh. Why? I don't think I was that, like, angry or <laughs> upset or anything. No, I mean, well, I got, you know, it's, it's something yeah, that people who... Like like myself, you know, at some point I, I looked into going to to try to get into the video game industry, um, and so you know, DigiPen is one of the the best known places for that. I mean, they're they're right there in the the Washington State area, and, and I know they have a big influence from both uh, Nintendo as as well as uh, I believe Microsoft too. Uh, so Nintendo, Microsoft, Valve software is up here as yeah, well. Yeah, that's Sucker Punch. Um, Big Fish games, uh, gas-powered games. Uh, there's a whole lot of places up here that are, you know, big names in the industry for various reasons, and that's why this college came here. It actually started out in Vancouver, and they actually moved here so that they had actually attract more, you know, American students. Right. And obviously, they and, and they've been pumping. Jackies. They've been. Uh, Taking in students, and I know I've heard from them for at least 15 years. I think they've been around for longer than that. Um, yeah. So it's definitely definitely a, uh, 
a really good place to go and, and pick up those skills, uh, whether it's art or programming yeah. or, or, or anything like that. I actually first I actually first heard about DigiPen from a an article in a GamePro magazine back in like 1994, 1993, 1994. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of the same way. I heard about them from Electronic Gaming Monthly back around that time. The, fun, the cool thing is that the school actually has every single article printed out or you know cut out of magazines and frames them on the walls. So the very article that I that first pointed me in the direction of DigiPen is up on the wall for everyone to see. So I can say I can point to it. Go see that is the that page right there was a turning point in my life, and now my name is up on a on a plaque on the wall as one of the graduates for 2012. Wow, fantastic! That's, that's fantastic. Goodness. Well, congratulations on on going yes. through there and and, and and getting your your degree there. And and congrats! And uh, I definitely hope you know that in the future you will uh, be able to influence not only just the the video game industry with your art skill, but also maybe put some of that macro content in there wherever you can. You know. <laughs> If possible, that is that is actually the goal. I have I have a few ideas for some giant monster oriented games that I think would fit into mainstream society yes. and not just be you know cheesecake games for people who are interested in macro. Uh, one of the biggest ideas I actually worked a little bit on it and getting it prepared at DigiPen was a game called Breaking News. Huh. Uh, basically, it's a, you you basically play as a a news helicopter pilot who is able to influence the course of events to gain either good points or bad points, and these points are ratings to help your news station get bigger and better things. Now, of course, you don't want to. You could either lead that giant monster with a huge dangling, you know, cartoony meat, <laughs> um, you know, the hunks of meat with the bone in it. You can lead it away from the city, or possibly lead it towards that orphanage and get those really great shots of oh no, the humanity. Oh, that is a really awesome concept because you see the. You see the 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 rampage type games and just the the monster games and a lot of different things, but you never see that from the perspective of a yeah. uh, a news you know that kind of a news uh, helicopter or anything like that, uh, and just the idea that they are kind of not just reporting the news but maybe trying to make the news a little bit is not only a good kind of gameplay hook, uh, but also has a little bit of, of social commentary on it too. Now that you think that I think about it. Yeah, that actually just made me think of a, a comic called Free Sample, like the first, I don't know, 25 pages of that. It's a macro comic. I can't remember who did it. It's killing me. I can't remember. DNA Palmhead. DNA, it was DNA, wasn't it? Oh my gosh, yes. It was Free Lunch. Free Lunch. That's right, Free Lunch. Yeah. I love the heck out of that comic. And like the first 20 pages is kind of like that. It's like, it's you, you see it from the eyes of the news uh, cast and stuff too, not just from the uh, main character, so... It made me think of that. And, and since you brought him up, uh, since I know the DNA Palmhead has gone through some uh, some rough times over the past month or so, so I definitely wish uh, uh, a recovery out there to him. Uh, I know he's he, he's keeping a positive attitude and and uh, just you know yes. wanted I wanted to make sh- make sure he knows and that we're that I'm at least thinking about him and, and I'm sure that a lot of the macro community we're out there watching is. you DNA. We love you. We're watching you. Okay, love you. <laughs> and we're going to pump. You up? Yeah, we, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure he hate that. You. Just hate that. Oh my gosh! <laughs> DNA is face palming the heck out of his muzzle right now. Oh, oh! I actually know DNA. He is he is brighter than a lobster when he gets embarrassed. <laughs> Wait a minute. Was he at AC? I swear. I got, I swear. I think I heard he was there or I saw him. I can't remember. Yeah, he was there. He was okay. Hey, hi. I hope I did. <laughs> so, from talking about your your history, I think that kind of gives a good job of leading into the first topic that we were hoping to, that we were looking to talk about today. 
that's just basically how to become an artist, not just a macro artist, but a, a furry artist, or even, you know, outside of that. What's the roadmap that one can use to develop and become uh, a talented artist like yourself? Here's Perk takes notes. Well, there are a lot of resources out there. Uh, when I was going to DigiPen, they gave us, an, of course, a list of textbooks and all that sort of thing, that things that you need to know and how to draw and this and that and the other. Um, one of the books that I actually have right here is uh, Giovanni Savardi's Complete Guide to Drawing. Uh, apparently he did a lot of great stuff, and there's a lot of great reference material inside of this book. Um, Tony White was one of my professors at DigiPen. He's, he's actually written a lot of books about animation specifically because he's been a part of the industry for such a long time. Let's see, I, I know the guy's last name is Matesi, uh, but he does the like uh, he does a wonderful force in his drawings. Let me just do a quick quick search see if I can find some more information. I think it's Mike Matesi. Yes, okay, Mike Matesi, uh, drawingforce.com. This is actually one of the greatest resources that I've had for learning how to draw an interesting shape and make it appealing for action poses, for you know making things look dynamic. Um, the first thing that I would recommend, though, before going into any of this, is to just pick up a pencil, pick up some paper, uh, doesn't need to be too many pencils, and just go sit outside and draw things that you see. Um, the first thing that we did at DigiPen was basically 100 pages of drawing from life. Just draw something, anything. Go out and draw things. See what it looks like. Get the, get, get used to the feel of you drawing with line, drawing with tone, drawing with hue. We had to have 100 pages done before the first day of school. That was our homework assignment before we even got there. And I'm not talking about, like, just one side. I'm talking about both sides of the page of a 100-page sketchbook. Wow. It was it's, – it's how you get started drawing. Okay. And I think it kind of goes along the lines of uh, – I've read something on somebody's page. I don't remember what it was, but I think I talked to Kenton a little bit about this, that you, know, you have a 1,000 – bad drawings in you you might as well just get them out of the way and yep. and and you know it's something that you only are going to get better through 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 practice and through uh through doing it just over and over and over again and that's true with anything not just drawing but but yeah, that especially actually, absolutely uh, that made me think of um back like maybe four or five years ago back when i was uh trying to be uh better at basketball i still play but nowhere near as much as i used to but i had heard that like it sounded silly, but I actually tried it a few times, and, like, I've heard that people who do it, it actually works. Like, just getting used to your tool. Like, for example, when a basketball player sleeps with his or her basketball, it actually gets you more used to it. Like, just using it all the time. Like, if you just have a pencil in your paw and you're drawing, the like, I always like to think each line you draw, you get that much better. Like, it's experience points, basically. Like, each line you draw. So, I do think of life as a video game, so the experience point reference yes. is exactly how I think about it, too. Yes, and see, the thing is, I look way up to you. I'm just going to go ahead and just, I'm going to go ahead and swoon I just a little I must be really bit. tall, then. Jeez. <laughs> well, let's see. Aren't you, like, like, normally, like, two or three or four miles tall? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's, like, you pretty much, like, I, I look up to you in that sense, because you are like the essence of perseverance because you have gotten insanely better in the amount of time that I have seen. So I just, I want to mimic. So just knowing that um, it's not impossible is a heck of a lot of encouragement. So. Just be will- just be willing to spend 15 years of your life doing something no that you problem. love. 
As long as you love it, you won't think it's fat at all. Yay! I'm still getting over the phase where... I mean, I've gotten over it mostly, and that's thanks to you, Quan, actually, because back when I first uh, started trying to draw, I was like, Everything I draw is terrible! Draws a few lines, wads (laughs) up, stomps, chews, throws away. And then you were like, well, just get it over with. Like, anything you do, you're not going to be perfect at it. Just draw and do not tell yourself it's terrible. Finish it. Just finish it. Well, and just kind of going off of that, the the other thing is just even the people who you look up to and and who, you know, even outside of the, the maybe the macro community or, or the furry community in large, pe- a lot of artists who are excellent artists still see their own work, work as yes. subpar. Uh, you know, I think I think that if you ever find an artist who says that their stuff is perfect, then that's someone you probably shouldn't. They're not artists. Trust nope, as an artist, artists. yeah. Because um, that's the thing; you're your own biggest yeah, critic. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a very logical reason for that too. Uh, when an artist works on their own work, they know every line inside and out, uh, every motion uh-huh. of the hand, mm-hmm. every look, everything, and you have this mental image that you're trying to work from, and you have to pull that image out through your hands onto the paper, onto the, onto the tablet, onto the screen, and it's incredibly frustrating at times when you can't get it yes. to look exactly right, especially in yeah. animation when you can't get that animation to look exactly right. So by the time you're actually finished, you're never actually finished. You're just sort of reaching the closest point and then saying, I'm fed up with this, I'm done. <laughs> However, when you see somebody else's art, you don't have all of that. All you have is an instant of, oh my gosh, all that five hours of work compacted into one tiny speck of time and that's the impact that your art has on other people that you will never get yourself and i think it's important to realize that you know other people will see your art and have a completely different reaction than you no matter what yeah that's actually the epitome of what just happened in the first couple minutes of this podcast because you were saying please let me know when i become a good artist (laughs) i'm like what (laughs) (laughs) so that yeah i mean that's exactly it i mean I've been told that, because um, I, I, I think that I'm not anything great, but I've had people who have told me that my art is, you know, getting a lot better and that I'm doing good progress. I'm like, but I just, it's just a doodle. <laughs> so I, I went wrong here and there and I didn't draw that right. And so, yeah, I'm doing And, and coming at, <laughs> at it from a perspective of a writer, you know, I, I, I always know that there are, the, the words you could always re-edit, you could always try to, to, to add on something to a story, but at some point, you have to say, you know what, this right here is going to be good enough. It's, it's, it's the idea, I think Leonardo da Vinci was the one who said it, uh, art is never finished, huh. it's only abandoned. Uh, and, and, you know, at some point you have to let your story or your art or whatever you're working on uh you know as, as personal and as close as it may be you got to let that go and let it uh be released to to your audience uh and then yep. build on that for the next thing you do otherwise you'll end up like uh, robert jordan and accidentally die before you're finished with your whole wheel of time series which is very sad yeah. and i do mm-hmm. wish i could have you know seen his vision but he yeah. kind of if you don't know the series, he kind of drew out the books from like a three books to like seven books to like ten books, and then he kind of accidentally died and oh. had to have a ghostwriter finish his books for him. So we'll never know exactly how it was going to be, and it's kind of like you got to get it done, right? But you yeah. can't you can't do it fat you can't do it too uh. fast either, or it'll be you know subpar. It's a very delicate balance. 
Yep, I'm learning that. <laughs> and Douglas Adams was kind of the same way with the Hitch the, the Hitchhiker's Guide series, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. You know, he, I think that was more of just write, kind of like continuing to write sequels and not so much stretching it out. But you know, he he died in the middle of writing writing one of his books too, and and it ended up kind of almost tainting the whole series. I mean, the first books are still great, but because of how, in my opinion, at least, of how it it. Uh, you know, ended in in or didn't end, but the the fifth book that he was writing, uh, the way that was handled and the way that ended up getting published, it made me a little more disappointed uh, and, and a little less a fan of some of the other stuff. I still like his writing. I still like. I still love the first book definitely, but it's 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 still there in the back of of your mind whenever you look at it that hey, this it's, is not. As, you got to know when to Seinfeld it. You yeah. love it. Set it free. <laughs> You know, otherwise you may become like George Super Lucas TV. and come back and try to make a special edition that just totally ruins everything. <laughs> I don't know what your opinion are on, on the Star Wars films. I mean, I, I definitely am a uh, – I like the original ones, but at some point George Lucas, I think, just went too far. Well, I uh, I like Star Trek better, but moving on. <laughs> <laughs> that's my opinion, too. Yeah, that's your doing. Uh <laughs> Please don't hurt me. I think we'll have to settle this with uh, Captain Kirk versus J- Luke Skywalker in a uh, in a, Holy in a, crap. In a duel. Holy crap! I think I Luke Skywalker would lose both of his hands. He already has lost one hand. He'd lose both of his hands before he even pulled out his saber, his lightsaber. Either that or an epic rap battle. <laughs> oh gosh, yes. What about epic rap battles of? It wouldn't be of history. It wouldn't be of history though. Epic rapic battles uh, of fiction? geek history? I don't know. See, that's the problem, is that yeah. one of them comes from Luke a long Skywalker. time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and the other is, is from Earth and just, you know, 200, <laughs> 300 years in the future. <laughs> don't know if they'd have the same stuff oh, to draw gosh. from. Well, what if Kirk, uh, what if, I can't remember exactly how you said it. I haven't seen the episode, but I know it exists because you said it, Quan. What if Kirk decides to, you know, grow huge, like he did that one episode or something? Was no, Kirk, Kirk didn't grow huge. That was, oh, uh, it was... One of the adversaries, one of like the aliens that came across. Or... Okay, I mean, then. but still, what if Kirk grew huge? Kirk grew huge, and then Luke is like, uh... "Oh no, our lightsaber doesn't work." I'm sure with the amount of Trek fan fiction out there, I'm sure you can find a story out there where where Kirk I'm did, draw has done we'll that. We'll probably get like 1,500 comments regarding this conversation <laughs> just because. Oh my gosh! Yes. I just thought of the. So let's try to avoid that. Oh no. gosh! Like the Super Bowl commercial that was this year is like the whole Oreo thing. Cookie cream. I just had that with with this like Star Trek versus Star Wars for some reason. It's like it's on the down low. It's hushed, but like there's so much ranting over it. I don't know. Uh, I'm sorry I started that. Let let let's get well, so, back to the happy. <laughs> well, so so one of the things that I've kind of noticed, at least uh, specifically pertaining to U-turn, is um. You, you, like you said, you you've been at this for for so long. Is there ever was there ever a point to that you kind of almost felt like giving up, or or uh, you know ha, has it always been consistently kind of something you've you persevered in? Good question. Well, one of my favorite things I like to actually quote or possibly mishandle a quote from yes. Goku at this point. At uh, one point, I forget which character it was, but. He's in, he's doing his whole battle thing and, you know, fighting and fighting and fighting over, you know, 20 episodes to throw mm-hmm. a single punch. And you come up and the guys, the bad guy says, why don't you give up? And Goku says, because I never learned how. Oh, that's, uh, hold on. Hold on. Oh, gosh. Is that Raditz or is that Vegeta? 
I, I know it was an earlier one. It, it doesn't matter but who yeah. it is. That's my philosophy yeah, it's, on it. It's, yeah. I never learned how to give up, so I don't give up. Huh. That's fantastic, actually. Wow. I never thought of that. There have been there have been times when I can't do something, and at that point, it's best to just you know set it down for a while. Yeah. Go do something else. Come back to it when you're feeling feeling your hundred percent again, mm-hmm. and then I can do it. I've really not been able to, you know. There's nothing that I want to do that I haven't done, or I'm not on process in the mm-hmm. process of doing. Because when you always have uh, apprehension about something, you're never going to take that jump. Or take that step. You should so. have some apprehension because there are some things that could go wrong, and planning is yes, what you do to absolutely. get rid of the apprehension. You've got to you've got to be able to be not on, not just pure optimistic because if you're pure optimistic, you're gonna you'll walk off a cliff and, and you know end up hurting yourself, metaphorically speaking. Uh, but you have to be kind of ha- still have that uh, optimistic tempered with a realist a realist type of outlook so that you know you know what this is what i'm capable of this is what i want to do what do i need to do to get from what i'm currently capable of to what i want to be and and then just plan that out whether it is involved in art writing or 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 something like you know going to going to school getting a career there's not a whole lot that you're not able to do if you put uh, your mind and, and effort into it, and your and your blood, sweat, and tears. The, the more you believe in something, the easier it becomes. Yeah, and I guess it's just I, I'm not gonna blame my age because that would be something that's just it's not I, there's no point to, and there's not really a stance on it. But I still am learning a whole lot. Like for a while, I was not doing anything, like flat, sure. flat. Nothing. You will always learn a whole yeah. lot. But it's like I mean, you guys are kind of like mentors to me because I'm so young, and then also. I can be smaller, so I look up to you, and then you guys just have more experience on things. So I definitely look up to you guys when it comes to that kind of stuff, because I'm like, I'm so young, I don't know things. Well, <laughs> I want to learn. I think there's, uh, amongst younger furries, you know, even even ones that are younger than, than, than you, Kinson, there, are, uh, there tends to be a mindset that they don't know how they could ever get to the point of of you know being a good artist or being yeah. a good writer um and, and it's because way. i think it's because of just the not having that uh experience of growing as a person you know obviously when you're when you're 18 let's say you know you've you've gone through your childhood and you're in your you know you're becoming an adult but you, when you turn 18 is not when you know, you've stopped learning. In fact, that's probably yeah. when you just start beginning to learn. Uh, that's what I found out actually, because I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm 18. I got it." Yeah. Nope. It, it's it's like nope. the whole 18 years before is just a that's it's just wheels. it's preschool. <laughs> and and, yeah. and the real it's the tutorial mode for life. Yeah, yep. the real school <laughs> is, is, is what you go life through. Life one hundred, not even one hundred one yet. Life one hundred. And, and heck, I'm I'm twenty seven or twenty eight now, and I uh I, I still feel like I. My life has not really just begun. I think that for a lot of people, it's something that you kind of do keep on going because you still want to keep getting to a better point. There's always something you need to strive for. Um, yeah, and like when it comes to art, like just specifically when it comes to art, that's one of those things that I'm wanting to become fantastic at. I want to become a great artist. Like, there's Why? two things that. Huh? Why? Why? Mm-hmm. It's because. When I found out that I actually 
could finish a piece of art and not loathe it. And when I finally broke uh, broke free from that feeling of everything I do when it comes to this is terrible, that was the first point in my life besides being saved by Jesus Christ where I was actually like, I don't hate myself for this. I don't look at this and I instantly throw it away. I want to keep this because it's something extra special. It's not something that I'm like, oh, I'm never going to be good at it because, like, there's something special about it. Not only do I enjoy doing it, not only do I enjoy making people smile while doing it, but there's something deeper about it that I just, I I want to grow in it. I want to expand in it, and I want to do my best in it because, I don't know, call me crazy, but I feel like whether it may be a hobby or a career eventually, I don't know, I want to be an artist. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. A lot of people, a lot of people don't know why mm-hmm. they're doing what they do, and that's why a lot of things go wrong, in my yep. opinion. A lot of people don't know what they want to be, how they want to do it, because they don't know yep. why. For our storytelling classes at DigiPen, we actually had the first thing that we did was figure out why. Mm-hmm. Why are we doing this? What's uh, my professor, Professor Becker was my Art 101 teacher. I love the guy. He actually goes to class. He comes to class with a handlebar mustache, a monocle, and a kilt. Like five times out of ten. Nice. Very nice. He is, and he's like half of the time you imagine he'll just walk in with like a steampunk arm one day, but he never does. Sounds about right. He never did, unfortunately. Oh. Anyways, one of the first things that he taught us was WTF. What's that for? Hmm. And since the phrase WTF has its obvious connotations as something completely different, it sort of stuck in my stuck in my head that way. Sure. What's that for? That's the first thing I ask myself whenever I approach a new project is what's that for? If it's for someone else, then I want to make sure that I draw it for them as opposed to for me. If I'm going to be drawing a comic strip, I draw it for me to help tell the story of what's going on with these characters. How are they, What's going on in this particular comic? What do I need to tell and how do I tell it? It's how I start my process all the time now. And if you can answer that question, why? What's that for? Then you're well on the way to starting out and finishing whatever you want to do. And I think at some point there's also just the the feeling of creating something from nothing. Uh, you know, whether that is a picture yes. or, or a story uh, or, or something maybe even more tangible, uh, like a sculpture or, 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 you know, something like that. Being able Very to safe. say... This this universe, this idea, this this concept or story or whatever didn't exist, and I brought it into being. I, I am God of this of this uh, of this story. Yep, that's yep. A, a lot of web comics do that, and you'll often see like the author in a web comic do that sometimes, myself included. Yeah. Yep. And, and it's just so uh, it's it's a great feeling to do that. You know, I I don't I don't write myself uh, because I want to be seen or because I'm trying to make money. I mean, that's, yeah. I, I, you figured out long ago that, you know, with rare exception, writers and, and artists don't make a ton of money. You know, they're, that if you want money, you're going to go into a position like engineering or something like that where, where the profit potential is. Or be JK Rowling. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or just be a sellout. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. no, but if, if you end up doing it for your own love, for the, the feeling of, of, being a creator, then you know, ultimately you are going to get better at it because it'll that that will keep driving you, and you'll keep learning a, a few you know new new things as you do it more. Yeah, because like with each 
failure that I have, I learn something. Because it wasn't until, truthfully, Jesus came into my life that I learned that too. But it's it just, when you fail, it's not just a fail. It's not just flat out, there, you fail. You're, you're an imbecile. Just stop doing that. No. Failure, there is no learning. There is no growing without failure. Because, I mean, you can look at it in an extremely physical sense, working out. If you lift weights, you break down your muscles. They get hurt. In a sense, they fail to do what you want them to do because they eventually get too tired. But then when you let them rest, uh, recuperate, you eventually get to a point where you can do more. That's exactly what failure is to me now. Every now and then it gets to a point where I'm just like, oh, I'm just not doing things right. But then I get back into my heart and I just think, wait a minute, no. This isn't just a failure. I learned something from this. What did I learn? I pray. Like, what did I learn, God? What what came out of this? Because there's something. With every line you draw, with every mistake you make, with every criticizing, rolled-up newspaper whap you give yourself, you know that you did something right, too. So I love it when I draw something. I, I always look for the good out of it, too. Because the failures are there. And you have to dig for the stuff you learn there. But then also the straight-up good. It's like, oh, what did I do good in this? And it gets easier good. too. Yes, it gets easier the more you do it because you'll be able to recognize things a little bit, bit little bit easier. That's already you'll happened. Be to, yeah, you'll be able to grow faster. <laughs> yes, no pun intended. Yes, do that and become a, Yeah, and become a better person in whatever you want to do. And yes. I think you also just be able able to learn yourself better and learn the kinds of things that you excel at, the kinds of things that take you more time, and you're able to kind of. Uh, use that to your advantage to to you know to f- focus on on what you can do and, and to plan out your your project. Yeah, hey Taryn, I actually have a question. Um, it just spawned randomly in my mind. When it comes to the whole um, doing things right over doing things wrong, where do you think uh, drawing the line? Like, because some artists just go gung ho for all the challenges. Do you think that you should really strain challenges like? Maybe every now and then, or do you think it's better to just take your time and to do a challenge every now and then, or what? That's have you? wholly dependent on who you are. For okay. me, I like to challenge myself at least once a week, or at least once a month at the very le- late, very least. Uh, okay. I want to do something new every so often, and it just the desire to challenge myself will slowly build up over time. And so, and then it will just suddenly I can't control it anymore, and I have to I have to get this challenge out of my head and do something new. Can't sleep um, at night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sort of that sort of feeling where you just can't control it anymore, and you have to do it. And it's different for every person. You have Explode. to explode. You have to get something done, so you got to do it. Yep. One of my hardest things for me to do is to actually build up enough focus to actually sit down and do something for a while. So. Sure. The way yeah. I managed to find a solution to that is by doing live streaming. And by having yes. other people there, I sort of, for some reason, I get energy from that. And it makes me want to draw because I, I guess I feel like I have a supervisor looking over my shoulder. Aww. But, you know, that's a good thing. That makes me want yes. to draw. I'm performing for people. I'm, I feel like I'm important enough to, you know, to keep going, do what I do, enjoy what I enjoy, and, you know, create something new. So that kind of brings a question I have for you. Since you brought up live streaming, that is something that's obviously become, I think, more prevalent in in the furry community within it's the so past few years. Oh. Do do you find that that is a wholly positive experience, or are there things that uh, 
that artists would need to watch out for when doing a live stream that could potentially be negatives? Honestly, I actually do some live streaming on a place called TigerDial.com. Right, I've seen you mention that site. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, for me, it's a little bit better than using live stream or like Twitch TV or uh, some of the other places out there because, one, there's no restrictions on what you draw. Um, I know live stream, you cannot draw porn or you cannot have porn. And if somebody reports you for having porn, you can actually get banned. And that did happen <laughs> to one of my close friends. They actually were reported for drawing furry porn for some reason or another, there's probably way too much drama to go into, and they ended up having their account suspended for a month. So warn noms. I decided we should warn noms now. Sorry. Yeah, I should. I actually decided to go with TigerDial because not only is it you know only twenty bucks a month for unlimited, like twenty viewers, I think, or maybe even unlimited. I'm not sure, but I can also stream at like twice the quality, uh, much larger size, and Ooh. it's kind of you know every you can actually see other people who are streaming at the same time and i've had a few people sort of just wander in from other streams while i'm streaming see what i have to offer and you know they stay if they want to yes. and, and that sounds like that is a i mean it is a furry focused site correct that is correct so it's something uh, that like it's 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 you know live stream obviously does so many different stuff it's kind of easy to get lost in the in the huge ocean you know with something like tiger dial people who are coming there are specifically looking for uh you know for furry art and you may be able to help you become discovered a little bit better fantastic yeah i never heard of that unfortunately i'm gonna need to check it out slash sign up because <laughs> i've actually been streaming too and the reason I was kind of thinking, you know, overall, the reason I was asking that question before about, you know, are there goods and negatives to, to the, just the idea of, of live streaming overall, uh, I've noticed with some artists that it seems like because of the communal, communal aspect that can happen around a live stream, you know, chat and stuff, that that could potentially serve as more of a distraction. Uh, do you think that would be something mm. that, that is is a potential roadblock for uh, for an, an aspiring artist, or like a popularity thing, like you have to do it because you want to. Well, I think that it's basically dependent on who you are. I I I used to be an introvert, one of the worst introverts in the world. I started mm -hmm. trying to be more of an extrovert, trying to open up, trying to do this, trying to do that, and streaming was one of the things that I found was really a great way for me to open up. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't talk when I stream. I probably should. I've seen other people who stream. They actually talk while they stream and respond to questions and answers and whatnot. For me, it's like sitting in a room at AnthroCon. I, I can actually sit in a room, listen to conversations all around me, and I can just draw. That's I incredibly take, fun too. I yeah. take the energy that's going on around me, and it just it goes onto the paper. Yes, I can't really explain why, but that's just how it works for me. And I think everybody needs to find out for themselves how their own energy flow works. You know, you could even call it like chi or chakra or whatever mysticism you would like. But I draw better when I have people around me. I definitely know how you feel too, because when it comes to that, like. When I was at AnthroCon and I got to sit at the table next to you and, like, we were drawing and things, like, I normally am a huge, huge extrovert, like, took a personality test my first semester of college and, like, 98% extrovert, I mean, so, but I was there just sitting there drawing and I'm like, I don't even want to say anything, I just want to draw, like, I love listening to everyone around just being here and drawing, just something magical about it, so, I definitely know how you feel. And I think that's one of those things that kind of, where visual art and writing the written word really does separate because i know at least personally i 
could not write in a situation like that where I was yeah. in a crowded room and with all those distractions. Uh, type of energy. And I know a lot of writers are the same way. Uh, I've seen a few of them be able to like link their their works on something like Google Docs so that people can watch them through that. But it's obviously not. They're not having the chat uh, aspect or any other distractions. They're just having people watch them while they, they write. And... Mm. And I think that's simply because of the nature of the art. You know, writing is is something where you have to. Uh, yes. You're, you're using language, and you think in the same kind of language. So when you are on a doing a visual art, it is something a bit more abstract, and, and you can have the language part of your brain focus on on the the people that are talking around you, versus the the visual part focus on the drawing. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly how it works for me. I. I can actually process drawing on one level and then hearing some conversation in the on another level. And it's kind of freaked a few people out because they think I'm not paying attention when I completely am and I'm yep. responding yep, yep. to them and I'm not even looking at them. Like, how did you know what I was just saying? What are you talking about? Doesn't look up from paper. <laughs> Except in Kenton's case where he, he, he does say things like he's, like he's responding to you and then you talk about, him five minute, talk about it five minutes later and he uh, doesn't even remember well, the conversation existed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've noticed that when it's like a piece of paper, because when it's something traditional, like paper, nothing digital, like a phone or something, my brain is a lot more not derpy. Like it's actually, it's actually Coherent. intelligent. But when I when there's a piece of technology in front of me, nope, heck no, nope. Dot avi. <laughs> I am the biggest derp ever. Because <laughs> I mean, at Anthrocon, just drawing. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and I was actually able to keep up with conversations, but then I'm on my phone, and Eco's like, Kenton! Like, five times, like, what? <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> so. But, like, when it comes to writing, I've actually tried to write before, too. I'm really, 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 really... I'm a writer, but very... I'm trying, because I'm... I, I, you encouraged me to start, like, a while ago. I still need to pick that up, but... <laughs> It's just, it's a completely different type of atmosphere. Like, I don't know if you, like, listen to music in the background or something, but to me, I can't have noise. Like, I have to be in silence, or I can't collect my thoughts. The only music yeah. I can play while I'm writing is is classical music, or, or otherwise <laughs> instrumental music. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if it has lyrics, I am almost always having to shut that off. Uh, yeah, at, at least it, when it, I'm it in the, the more... It the words in your mind. At, at least when I'm in the more... Uh, the creative part of writing, like when I'm editing and, and, and kind of going through things like that, uh, you know, even then I try to go with, with wordless music or, or no music at all because I still need to kind of read it and, and say it over and over again in my head. So there's one kind of final thing I was wanting to uh, kind of ask about within this uh, topic. Uh, I know a, a few minutes ago, Taryn, you mentioned that just to get out there and get started drawing what you see, uh, once an artist has gotten kind of beyond that where they can draw you know your basic objects and they have that down if someone is really more interested in in focusing on macro uh, or micro art what kinds of things do you think they should try then focusing on life drawing of people draw humans draw everything about them draw them you know when they're not looking draw them when they are looking draw them upside down draw them uh in a, with a fox draw them in your socks uh draw people that's what you're trying to capture you're not tr when you're drawing a piece of art for macro furry or for anything like that you're trying to evoke an emotion an emotional response from your viewer and to do that you have to understand how the human body shows that emotion 
the way the head is tilted is critical when you're, when you're trying to get a certain look. Huh. The position of the shoulders, how the shoulders work. I mean, there's this whole scapula thing that goes on back there. When you raise your arm, the shoulder moves. In a sp- when you raise your arm over a certain point, you have to understand how the human body works in order to start drawing it. i got to imagine the, the sense of perspective is also something that's critical. Yes, yeah. that is something you also need to pick up. It's very easy to do, uh, at least for a mathematically inc- inclined mind. Uh, <laughs> it's very difficult for a uh, artistically inclined mind, but it is possible because you know there's people out there who do it. Um, mm-hmm. Perspective is really easy to understand for me, at least. So I think everybody should do it. Um, yes. You should know when to not use perspective as well, because there are that's a few, my biggest thing. There, there are a few cases. Um, if you ever played a game called um, King of the Monsters Two, one of the things that I think is really cool about that is that it, it, it does not use perspective in its <laughs> presentation, and it works. You don't think that it's wrong, but hmm. it technically uses isometric perspective, but it doesn't use real perspective to be interesting. You can make things without perspective and still make them interesting as long as you know what you're drawing. Yes. And there's always, like, whenever I think of macro art, like, in general, there's just, like, there's two speeds that I guess, since I'm such... I'm still a beginner, that I just... I see. I don't know if there's anything in between. But it's, like, speed number one is easy. You draw a character, you draw something that's normally huge, next to them being smaller, that's macro. That's kind of, like, the not twisting perspective. And then there's the hard mode, which is taking something, shifting the angle, shifting the perspective, making the paw a lot bigger than the head. You know, that's the perspective shifting. But, like, both both are macro drawings. Both can easily be implemented and look great, but one is completely different from the other. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like whenever, uh, whenever I, truthfully, I ask for, like, a commission piece of art, um, like someone who hasn't really done a lot of macro art and is just like, what's that? Like, how would I even start doing that? That's kind of how I explain it. I'm like, there's two ways. There's that, and then there's that. It's your choice if you want to try and do hard or easy. So, Well, I think that's why you see so many uh, artists who have not done macro artists in the past, uh, yeah. macro art in the past, struggle with that when they when they attempt it because it is there are some things that are very specific to it, whether you're dealing with perspective or not, that you just don't see in, in your traditional art. Like the, sh- the shallow end of the pool is just taking something tiny or taking something huge, making it tiny. The, uh, the deepest end of the pool, which technically doesn't have a bottom <laughs> is perspective, but you know, that comes over time. So that's my biggest. Dream. Again, there's the whole practice thing. <laughs> yep. practice, practice. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. it, it it's going to, gonna look bad uh, at first oh, and and that's fine just don't let the uh don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good don't try to get everything perfect at the very beginning and eventually you'll find that you're much more satisfied with it uh in the long run another thing i want to add to that though is that um one of my roommates has actually been having some trouble lately with his artwork because he's getting a lot of negative criticism with his work so one of the things about being being perfect is that everybody's telling him you have to be perfect in order to progress as an artist i really every time i I have to tell him every time that no you don't have to be perfect to be an artist you just have to be able to show the world in your own particular light Uh i still recommend to him to do you know do the whole uh life drawing draw what you see start from there get a feeling of how it looks because you know it the way when you look at your arm it looks different from different angles you have to be able to draw it from any angle so you have to know what it is how it works and, and if you don't know that, you can't draw it. 
Yeah. And I think that also and kind when, of... I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. And when you do know how to draw it, then you can start to screw with it and make it fun and interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff. Like, if you ever saw one, one of the projects that I worked on, Basil the Basilisk, was yes. for my junior project. I totally broke the legs into a different shape entirely and the front the arms like totally pop-eyed them instead of making them the way they should look yeah and it worked because that's kind of how you know basilisk's legs work Mm -hmm. but i made them interesting because i knew how to break them well i think that's one of the things one of the things you were just saying there uh towards the beginning about your roommate and and the feedback that's important to bring up is that it is good to get critique and it is good to get feedback, but it's also important to be able to know what is useful feedback and what is not useful feedback. Someone, yes. th- someone yes. telling you that, you know, your, your art's not good or your art needs to be perfect. That's, that's not useful feedback. That's not telling no. you, you know, what you can, can do. It's just, it's just like someone t- t- shake, uh, you know, telling you and saying, I don't like it. <laughs> it's not, not telling you Sorry. what you can improve upon. Uh, so, so I think the good thing is to just be able to filter that out and, and also find, you know, a group of people that you can really trust on, on giving, uh, mm-hmm. uh, useful, uh, constructive useful feedback. critiques. Don't just tell me, exactly. tell me why. Give me advice. And one of the keys to being able to tell why, there's a lot of cases where you can't tell why because it just looks wrong. I'm sure everybody, every artist heard that where it just doesn't look right. Yeah. It's usually because of subtleties in the pose, like maybe the head's tilted slightly wrong, and we don't pick up on that on a, on a conscious mm-hmm. level. The way to give criticism, though, in my experience, is you start with the thing that you like most about the piece, and then you can move to something that you think could use improvement on, and then you sort of sandwich it in with another thing that you really like about the piece and give suggestions as to how to proceed. Okay. This way, you're sort of you're not saying that's bad. You're saying I like this. You could do the, this a little bit better, and this is really nice. But if, I, if you probably should try the this compliment sandwich, that's giving a suggestion. <laughs> yes, and you know, make sure that you're not saying you in your sentence. Yes, I think that this is a really great piece because this, this, and this. And I also think that you should be trying this, this, and this. Yes. If you it's one of those subtle things about human nature that when you when you say you, it becomes an attack. Yep. Well, it's one of those okay. things. If you say "I think," then it becomes an opinion, yeah. and it softens it. And, and, and critique should never, when you're giving critique, it should never be something that is personal. Uh, you know, it, it should yeah. be a, about the art. And uh, you know, if you hear, if, if as an artist you hear critique that is using uh, those kind of things that become personal, like you and, and and things like that, then that's where you can kind of know. Okay, well. You know, this is the type of of critique that is probably not going to be very useful, and I'll you know thank you for it, but it's probably not going to be something you'll take to heart. I'm gonna go stump something else now. Mm-hmm. Well, so it, so you know we definitely I definitely I think we've covered uh, at least a good overview of of becoming a macro artist, and I, I think that's a lot of useful feedback for anyone who is Most wanting definitely. to start or or no matter how far into the uh, to your art career you have gotten. Uh, so I think now we can go ahead and uh, start moving on to our second topic that we're wanting to talk about, and that is the macro math, macro stats. Uh, that I know, Tiran, uh, you've been uh, prolific on, poti- uh, on posting those things on your Twitter account, uh, the different kinds of... Uh, comparisons and, and size numbers and things like that mm-hmm. what got you what got you kind of started into doing that kenson did <laughs> it was kenson yeah really 
You, uh, you actually got me started because you have this amazing talent of being so many different sizes from pose to pose in our conversations. I thought it was so much fun that I decided to, you know, see if I can... I thought, there's no real good reference to say that, you know, I'm at this size, this is how big other things would be around me, and this is how I should conduct myself. People don't yeah. use numbers very often in everyday conversation. Um, Mataki made a really great point about how, you know, you can say you're a million feet tall, but you can't really see that until you say that I'm, I'm laying down from New York City to Boston or however, I think yep. it was actually New York City to North Carolina or something, something fun like that. Fantastic. So Ugh. I started actually you just making those simple, com simple comparisons to that. If you were this size, then this would be a really good comparison and therefore you can use this in your conversations when you are at that size or so say you know you can now say i i, I pick my teeth with a with a california redwood and you know that's about you know ten thousand feet tall yes because you know and that's something you can compare to on a logical level at least and i'm trying to link that logical level of comparison to the um to the emotional level of comparison mm -hmm. that definitely makes sense because like i know back like that that's something that I mean I I just all the feels come from that cuz I'm just like back when I was in school like back in elementary school all the way even I was I would just look out the window and I would just daydream and you know as I got older like middle school and high school numbers made more sense so then I started actually like hey there's a piece of get there's a piece of scrap paper in front of me and teachers sort of just rambling on about something so let's just start working numbers and like I would go through and be like how tall would you have to be use the St. Louis Arch as a tow ring. How, how tall would you have to be to drive the uh, spaceship Earth at Disney World downrange? How tall, you know, just, just different things. Like, that just, ah, it's so much fun. Well, it's and, interesting that you, you mentioned the thing about spaceship Earth. I mean, you know, not only did I used to work at spaceship Earth, specifically in that building, but that's actually probably the first idea of a macro stat that I can remember hearing. Because uh, I remember both in... My training, but I, I think even before that, when I was, uh, you know, a, a teenager and, and or a kid and watching Disney World, you know, travelogues, they mentioned that in order to use uh, Spaceship Earth as a, a golf ball, you know, you'd have to be over a mile tall. Uh, I, I don't remember the exact number, no but, I think, but I know it's around a mile. That's fantastic. Ugh. And if you also match the uh, the longest distance that a person's ever hit a golf ball. You would actually be 30 kilometers short of Havana, Cuba. So you could probably get it in there uh, after a bounce or two. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's just... Uh, that, that was my entire, like, K-12 history right there, just looking out the window. So basically you're saying Thinking the Gulf of Mexico stuff. is going to become a, a water hazard there? Yep, the Gulf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just oh, make gosh. sure. Just make sure that uh, that you, you just know, all, all the employees are out of it. All the employees and guests before you do that. Yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. As soon as like, I'm sure it will never happen. But if they like decide to make another one, or if they're gonna tear it down, I hope they call me, or one of us just be like, "Hey, so would you like to would you like to hit this downrange across the Gulf? Because we're not gonna use it anymore. It'd be fun to watch. Like, yeah. Yeah. The, the Fidel Castro just purchased it. He wants it delivered by. <laughs> yes. uh... As, as quickly as possible. So. It's like express. Oh my gosh! When it absolutely must be pouched overnight. <laughs> yes. Uber Express for the win. Then going <laughs> off of some of the other tweets that you've done recently regarding macro facts here, and uh, 
one of the ones I, I kind of jumps out at me here from uh, June. You, you said uh, bacteria are on average one nine, 915,000th the size of a mm -hmm. human being. Uh, people would be bacteria to size to a giant 1,039.8 miles tall. Um, and so that's one of, the, one of those things you're talking about, uh, sense of scale and, and just how, uh, how incredibly different. That's probably one of the bigger differences you could probably get to to be that high, that tall. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It was bacteria to a, an average person is X, like what you said was one, like 915 something. One, one 915,000. So one divided okay. by 915,000. Okay, and then on the flip side, when you macro scale that, in order for an average person to be bacteria size for a macro, that macro would have to be upwards of 1,735 miles. 1,039.8. Okay, that's fantastic. So basically, that's Holy a God. macro who has his head uh, kind of sticking out of the uh, the stratosphere. <laughs> well, that's way out of the stratosphere. That's uh, that's that's easily yep. your paws are like you. The Earth is a toe ornament, basically. No, Actually, not. no, the Earth no, is 7,027 right. miles in diameter. That's right. Uh, so right. that's about one-seventh of the Earth's diameter, mm -hmm. and about uh, the Earth, the, the Moon is about a third of the Earth's diameter, so right. you can mm -hmm. probably work out some math and make sure that you know exactly how big you are. Um, yeah. I know just from personal experience that Nevada is about 300 miles wide, so take three Nevadas and lay them end-to-end, -end and there you go. That's how tall you'd be. Fantastic. You know, it's just it's. I have a lot of knowledge of numbers and things that I've done, and it's really easy to find on the internet these days. Like the yep. the length of California, so you can use that as a reference. Wikipedia. Point. If you were the size of California, you'd be this blah blah blah, and work towards you know any type of calculation. Uh, I I just hope that people can actually use these calculations in their role play or in their writing, know, so they don't have to resort to numbers anymore. They can actually say, you know, that you know he casually picked his teeth with a with a redwood, and you'll have a really good ballpark idea that they're about two miles tall. I want to pick my teeth with a ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like I'm gonna start throwing these out too. Like I'm gonna start, like I'm gonna start helping, I guess, because. Sure, shoot me any questions at my t at my Twitter account, okay. TYRNN, and I will see if I can answer them as as swiftly as possible for a guy who works 40 hours a week. Aww. <laughs> yes. Like anybody, if you guys have any questions or whatever, or you have an idea for it, or you just want to help with anything, not just macro math, uh, go ahead and email us at, what is it, Big Brother? As uh, I said it last time. Size matters podcast at gmail dot com or mail or mail at size matters uh, excuse me mail at size matters podcast dot com either right. one works it goes to the yeah. same box yeah and if you want to do the macro math uh you could do Tiern on FA or Twitter and me on FA or Twitter too so. it's actually macro facts macro facts yeah. there's a there's a funny story about that too when I first yeah, I actually tried to register the name Macrofax specifically to get that, you know, to be able to post on it like that. Yeah. But it's actually owned by a by a guy who is yeah. talking about the facts of life. Like the greatest facts of life are the largest facts. Oh. So he's got this whole philosophy of philosophy of macro facts, like do good do good things and good things will happen to you. And mm -hmm. I didn't really look into it, but it's really it's really interesting stuff and I think it's a really good it's a really good thing to look into. Everybody else who's actually used the Macrofax hashtag has been Spanish. And I, <laughs> I noticed that when I was just why. searching for him on Twitter, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so we're just going to use it anyway? 
<laughs> yeah, I've just been using it to post okay. macro facts, and I'm just sort of taking it over. Okay. Well, kind of, kind of going off of that same idea. Uh, I was a, having a, a conversation with uh, Jane and and Mouse on Skype the other day. Uh, Jane and, and the um, Silas. Uh, and one of the things that we were kind of the Jane was saying was that you know in in Singapore because because he's from Singapore. Uh, he was kind of trying to make the idea that Singapore is the same land area as the United States, but the what? but what? but the uh, people and the buildings are just so much taller, uh, and that's why they you know it seems like it's a small a small island, and so we were kind of trying to work with that math, and I think we figured okay. out if so, does that make sense the the, the the concept I was saying did I explain that okay? Uh, go ahead and one no. more time. Well, cause, okay, so in real life, Singapore is a, is a really tiny island. It's, it's a city yeah. state, basically. And the what what Jane was saying, because Jane is macro-ish in in nature, uh, that Singapore and you and the U.S. were really the same size landmass, but that the people and the buildings and everything in Singapore were just built at a much taller scale, so that when a, someone from Singapore went to the United States, you know, they would appear as a macro to us. Oh, oh my so it, was a, it was a joke thing and not an actual yeah, yeah, this, scientific this is, this okay. is a joke thing. Okay, yes. that's awesome. This, this is a joke. I'm sorry, I, I guess I maybe should have. I should have. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> I was thinking it was awesome, like population though. density, maybe? Like no, it's no, the no. same population density? <laughs> but, yeah. but, 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 so we kind of were trying to work out that math. And huh. so. We've just started a thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. That would be a great thing for Macrofacts. If you took the at, like the, the, the area of Singapore. And that's what we did. Compared to the area of. United States and see what the see what that difference is. So so Singapore is 274 square miles, and Mm -hmm. the U.S. uh, I think we were only counting in the contiguous United States uh, is around 11 11, 11,386 times bigger. Uh, So that would make Jane uh, Jane or anyone from Singapore around 12 miles tall. All right, now here's the question: (laughs) Are you actually just taking that as you know the area of the United States over the area of Singapore? Is that the factor that you're multiplying? Yes, that is yeah, incorrect. and that's one of those things where it, we should have done. I think you're right. We should have, you have gone with to the take the square root of, of that, and that, yeah, that's the fact because you're, yeah. you're doing an area, and an area has height, but has still, length, and width. Fun. So I probably should do this macrofax. Uh, probably will do it on Monday since that's when I usually am at my computer and thinking about it for that. But oh, if you gosh. take the uh, area of the United States divided by the area of Singapore, for example, and then take the square root of that number. You take that number, multiply it right by now. six for six feet, and that's how many how much how many feet a person would be in that sort of relationship between you know the two areas. Quick, what is the area of the United States in an exact number? I'm pulling up my calculator now. Well, the difference. <laughs> I mean, you just need to take the square root of the difference between the two, right? Or, yeah, or the, the, the factor, not the difference, but the. Uh, Division. And we'll be right back with size matter. <laughs> no, we can do this on here. We can do this. It's eleven thousand three hundred eighty-two times. The United States is eleven thousand three hundred eighty-two times bigger uh, when you compare the area. So if you take the square root of eleven thousand three hundred eighty-two, what do you get? Eleven thousand three hundred eighty-two. Oh, I just have my calculator open. Yeah. yeah. So square root of eleven thousand three hundred eighty is about one hundred and six hundred and seven. Six eight. Yeah. So then you take that and multiply it by six, right? Yes. For a six, a that six is uh, that is going to be six hundred and forty, roughly point one two. So a lot less okay. than twelve miles. <laughs> oh 
but still. Well, that's the that's the factor that that's the uh, that's the amount amount of feet that taller that you'd six, be. So you'd be six hundred, roughly six hundred forty-six feet tall then, since it's taller. Yeah, you'd so. be about six hundred feet. But uh, huh. let's see, does that make logical sense? Because you're actually. Uh, I don't know. Let's ask illogical if it makes logical sense. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I'll I'll probably do some actual math later when I'm actually feeling a little bit less tired. And <laughs> well, then you have to think about how it works. It, does this make logical sense? Because numbers can lag big. every now and yeah. then. Well, then what we also tried to figure out there is how tall would the tallest building in Singapore be? And the tallest building in Singapore oh, is just under a thousand feet tall. It's nine hundred nineteen feet tall. Uh, so well, I think with comparison. So let's go ahead and do. Uh, you said 1,119, or I mean 919? Okay. Yeah, 919. And then divide that by 6, because that's the average height of a person, right? That would be the number of times. So that so if, if that math, if the math we were just doing is correct, there would be around 98,000 uh, feet tall, which would be approximately uh, approximately 18 miles, 19 miles. Five, uh, five thousand two hundred eighty divided by yep, roughly eighteen and a half miles. If our math is checking out, I guess I guess Taryn yes. will will will, will uh, double check that. We're crunching the numbers. <laughs> Gosh, where's your soundboard? But you know, I was geez, I was hoping that it would be a little taller because we're starting to think like the International Space Station orbits at two hundred and thirty miles. So we can make it taller. Even even if that's the case, that building is not going to be tall enough to to have the space station kind of smack into it. Oh <laughs> no! Okay, bring it down. But that's where we can kind of show how math can be fun. You see, your teachers and parents yes. will like kids all throughout. And school. I've actually used a few calculus equations that I picked up in my calculus classes for huh. a couple of days. Uh, the quadratic equation factored into one I did for the, estimating the height of Godzilla in the new movie based yes. off of his previous movies. Yes. And I was pretty much spot on with what his new height will be according to the reveal that was came out like two or three days later. So Which it's is? About, 100, uh, about 150 meters. 150 He's meters? going to be between 120 and 150 based off of the, comic, uh, the Comic-Con experience that went on. Cool. So my estimate was about 136 meters or something okay. like that, or 140, and you know that's pretty awesome. Yes. Let's see. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, 100. I don't. I don't think I should put my calculator away for this episode. Uh, <laughs> so 150 and a meter is roughly 3.3 feet. So that's 490. Oh gosh, he's just under 500 feet tall. That's as tall as Ghidorah was in his movies. Because <laughs> like we were we were in an uh, we were in an RP on AIM, and when you link that on Twitter, I was like, "Holy crap! I just I just I read the comic. I was like, I can't wait. Is the trailer out yet? Yeah, I want to see it so bad." But when we were talking about that, I was like, "I heard the person in the review say, and he was like a thousand feet tall." You were like, "Well, that would <laughs> yeah. kind of fit with him growing over the years." I'm like, "I so hope so. I so pray so. Make him a mega." I kind of oh. hope so too, but according to the the reveal that happened at the Comic Con, it was only about 130 meters, which is kind of fun saying only. We need to <laughs> we need to pump Godzilla up. I will definitely be drawing him a lot larger. Yes, I will definitely be doing that as well. Like I know I said this in one of the other uh, podcasts we had. It was like episode two or something. But like I was a Godzilla in roleplay before anything. And then he was also my best friend, so definitely going to be drawing. <laughs> so like, yay! 
Oh, I can't wait for that movie. All right. Well, so I think that you know, working with Godzilla, working with all that stuff, that can really make those. Uh, not just the numbers a lot more fun, like you said, but also just make it easier to describe things. So I think that's a really good kind of road to go yes. down for the future. Uh, for all of you guys out there, learn a little bit of math uh, or, or just ask Tiern <laughs> and, uh, and he'll, he'll, he'll math for you. I will attempt to do math. So, so, I can't math. So now it's time to go ahead and uh, I guess move on to uh, the, the, the Murr factor. Yeah, if you want to call it <laughs> the that. The Murr factor. <laughs> And that's our shout-outs to artists that we want to, uh, you know, recognize and get, get some more art, uh, more attention to. Uh, Tiern, as the guest, I'll let you go first if you have someone in mind. Do you have anyone? Well, I actually do. There's this one really nice guy that I've been uh, sort of talking with off and on for quite some time now by the name of Illogical. Uh, he's a very mm-hmm. nice person. He seems like a really great guy. And he's been trying his very hardest to try to motivate himself to keep drawing and to keep doing what he likes. And he's even, you know, been coloring some of my artwork for me and posting that to his site with my permission, of course. I really appreciate what he's doing and how he's keep he's sticking with it. And, you know, he may be having a little bit of trouble right now. And I think he's really, really needs the attention and really needs some help. So... Definitely give him a sh- give him a shot at least, and see what he can do. Yes, I've actually I've uh, talked with uh, Illogical back and forth too. I got a commission from him. He is really sweet. Um, there have been there has been things that have been going on in his life that are, you know, not the greatest. So I always try to help him out whenever I can. And he definitely he does work hard. He definitely does. I mean, he colors well, flat coloring and everything. So, you know, throw him all the mega smooshy cuddle hugs. For the love. He's got so many characters too to work yeah. with. It's kind of hard, kind of yeah. hard to follow at times. Like but fifteen more. Yeah. So, yeah. Still, still always fun. Yep. Yeah, he for did sure. a couple of uh, he did a couple of sketch colorations that or commissions I had gotten for me, and definitely uh, the one the one he did of uh, of Leekax for uh, the the jo- Wakamo uh, sketch that he did for me uh, that illogical colored was I was really impressed at what how that came out uh, especially the night effects that he did on that you know it was something that I uh, I wasn't really <laughs> expecting to see from from just a, a simple coloring job and you know looked looked really nice so I can definitely understand uh, understand the reason for the shout out there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, all right, Kenson, do you have someone raring to you raring to talk about? Yes, I do. Um, I actually have two, but one of them isn't a macro artist. I just want to throw a shout-out real fast. Boom's paw smooshes underneath. My friend Blizzard, uh, Blizzard Wuffy, he is one of the most adorable mega-slash-tiny Wuffies, because he's a size shifter too, ever. And I just want to throw a shout-out to him, because he's been going through some stuff, and I just want to let him know how much he's loved. So... Uh, his furfinity is uh, furfinity.net, hack user, hack blizzard wuffy. That's just spelled blizzard and then W-U-F-F-Y. He definitely um, always loves cuddles, especially from gigantic paws and vice versa. So I would just recommend throwing all kinds of hugs and stuff at him because you will not be disappointed when you talk with him. And then second, I can't remember if you already shouted out this person, Big Brother. Forgive me if it's... But Yuki, or no, Yuki I don't. Or... I don't think we have yet. No, that's what I. Oh, I think okay. you may have mentioned. You mentioned. Uh, mentioned, but I don't think we've talked. We've talked about him. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so 
Yuki, um, I'm not sure if it's pronounced Yuki. I say Yuki, but it could be Uki. I'm not sure. But U-K-I on F-A, just uh, forward slash user forward slash U-K-I. Uh, she, I really hope that I'm saying that right, I'm sorry. Uh, she is amazing. Like, she needs more publicity. Her art, um, it's very unique, it's very different. Uh, she's got a very different feel to it, but she does macro stuff left and right. She will draw you. She is incredibly sweet. Um, she's pretty much just like OO in the sense that she won't go on until you're satisfied. She'll draw you sketches after sketches after sketches until you're satisfied. Um, she's, she drew one of my favorite pieces of art that I ever own right now. It's a macro fursuiting. Like, I threw her the idea and she was like, oh my gosh, yes, accepts it with warm love and draws and draws. And it's basically the idea was, um, I had the idea that what if... I went around fursuiting, not in, like, a cheetah suit, because I am a cheetah, but, like, I had on a wolf suit, but you could see my face was, like, a hood, but fursuiting, and she did the idea brilliantly, perfectly. I mean, more than I could ever expect. Definitely worth the watch, definitely worth the commission, and definitely worth the talk. She is phenomenal, so just go ahead and throw all the loves at her, too. So... Yay, and, and, and she was also one of the first uh, did the first piece of art of of Quan of me. Yes. So yes, yes. definitely Very have a too. have a soft spot, I guess, for that there too. Yes, yes. And as far as the what about you, big brother? Well, so as far as uh, who I want to give a shout out to, uh, I'm going to take a, a slightly different road. Instead of going with a visual artist again this week, uh, like you two did, I'm going to go with a writer and uh, a writer that probably a lot of you out there do know, uh, and that is going to be Kindle. Uh, Kendall Foxfire. Okay. Yeah, Kendall is a big, large, muscular, friendly tiger uh, who is, I think, really good on on, uh, on, on writing macro and, and muscle-themed stories. You know, I'm not huge into, into muscle guys, but I think his description is so good that, uh, and he does focus on growth and things that I definitely find uh, appealing. Um, he's He's got different, uh, you know, stories through his site. He's got, uh, through his FA profile, I should say. Uh, different commissions that he's done, different uh, own writings that he's done. Uh, he he did a Paul uh, Paul Day story back in I think May, whenever Paul Day was May or June. Oh, nice! That yes, uh, that actually I made a little cameo in, and uh, he also has uh, worked on trying to make some kind of projects basically uh, for the macro community. I know that he did the macro games, which mm-hmm. I guess was kind of like a, a, a macro themed Olympics. Uh, that what? That he he started doing a story. I think he he, he kind of had to stop oh, for a little bit, out. but he's still planning on finishing that. Um, he also has story packs that are uh, available for sale. Uh, th- that are ones that aren't posted on the site. Uh, he has a macro pack, a uh, I think a muscle pack, and a general sexiness pack uh, that he has. Um, definitely, most of his writing is uh, most of it is is adult oriented. Uh, oh. I think there may be a couple of of ones that aren't, but he is definitely more of an adult oriented writer than. Uh, than some others might be, but I think it's still definitely well. It's still very well done, and I, you know, the, the world just needs more macro tigers out there. <laughs> in my yes, opinion, yes. Um, <clears throat> Colin. We'll talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So uh, if you haven't given him a, a watch yet or, or given him a read, go on over and check Kendall out. Well, I was just gonna say when it comes to more macro tiggies, just. You are Hobbs to me. I'm sorry. I know you're a panda, but darn it! I'm still part <laughs> I'm part sorry. part tiger. Huh? I'm still part what? tiger. That's a third of me. 
You think? Yes, but it's just... Maybe not. I, every time I read Calvin and Hobbes, I'm like, that's Tal! <laughs> So, uh, like, just become huge and just... So I think that means it's almost time for us to go. But before we do that, we do still have some listener feedback and correspondence that uh, has come our way. You know, you can always reach us through email, uh, as Kenton mentioned a, f- a few minutes ago, sizematterspodcast at gmail.com or mail at sizematterspodcast.com will get to us. Uh, we're also on Twitter at sizematterscast. And you can also send notes to Kenson or myself on FA. So coming in from – we still get a whole bunch of stuff from Dragonian. Yes. <laughs> uh, now, Dragonian, I, I, I'm really glad that you are reading and, and you're writing into us. And I am going to read yes. some of your stuff. Uh, but I can't read all of it just because this would take then another hour to do that. We love you. You're amazing. Um, I see someone's a fan. Yeah. Actually, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about some of the stuff that came to us about video games, about the stuff that we talked about last week. Uh, one of the things that I kind of realized as I was editing the podcast last week was that uh, I didn't mention uh, either Mario and Bowser's Inside Story uh, oh. for the for the 3DS, uh, yeah. which is very you know, that was fun. Very much a, a Bowser macro, or it's not totally macro thing, but I know he grows and fights his castle, and then also Mario and Bowser, know. Are, you know, inside of of Bowser. Um, <laughs> so so very much I guess a, a Vore themed game. Uh, oh my gosh, Ocarina of Time. Lord Jabu Jabu, sorry. <laughs> I didn't say that one either. Uh, and then there was also okay. the other one that I forgot to think about uh, that I think, I'm trying to figure out who brought it up, but um, Black and White. Uh, have you heard of the games Black and White? There was two of them that were mm, made. Absolutely. It's uh, Peter Molyneux, who, uh, you know, of, of Fable and Fable fame and, and other, I guess he originally was famous for Populous. Uh, but he, you know, it's a game where you have giant uh furries basically as your uh avatar and you because you're you're kind of a god for uh these villagers on on like an island or continent i'm not sure i don't remember exactly um who was it that brought that up oh uh, i've never heard of this game why spetsnaz fox on uh on fa he left a comment uh, you know, I'm surprised you guys didn't feature Black and White. Uh, it's some sort of RTS game where you play a god with giant anthro creatures where you can train to be all stompy. Uh, the game really wait, increased wait, wait. my fascination into the whole macro micro, micro thingy when it came out 10 years ago. Uh, What's it for? It's a PC game. It was it's for it was, PC. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and it's. Must get. <laughs> uh, and that's one of the things that I kind of really did like that he does bring up that uh, you can kind of train and. Uh, Condition your macro to be either a nice guy or a not so nice guy, uh, depending on on the kind of character you want to see and the kind of god you want to be. If you want to be a, a smitey type god, or if you want to be a, a a gentle, loving god. So that's one of those things that I I, I really can't believe I forgot about that. Um, I never heard of it, gosh. <laughs> uh, I need to get it. Each each on FA also. Uh, said Giant Citizen Kabuto, uh, which is one, not one I've ever played. Is that one you've ever played, Tyrion? I've heard of it. You basically get to choose one of three factions, yeah. um, and one of the factions in, is entirely consistent of a giant creature that, you know, his basic goals is to eat everything else. Huh. It's like if you took, like, the Zerg and the Protoss and then Godzilla. 
<laughs> what? Oh, well. Have a th- have like a three way battle between the, these three factions. It would be something like that. Oh, okay. And that kind of that even goes into multiplayer too, right? Mm-hmm. Why have I never heard of these games? And uh, DS360 <laughs> also commented uh, regarding Duke Nukem 3D. Uh, there's a shrink ray in the game that temporarily shrinks your enemies, and you can walk up to them and stomp them to death. You also get shot with a shrink ray, and you have to walk through the tiny vents to get to other rooms in one of the levels. Uh, again, I'm never, I'm not really much of a Duke Nukem fan either, uh, so I, I never played that uh, myself. But that is uh, another one that I've at least heard of that has that content in it. I'm all out of gum. <laughs> oh, here's some more. Oh, now there's some stuck to the bottom of my foot. Oh, wait. What's a foot? <laughs> the paw. I meant. Yeah. And there was someone who wrote in... Trying to find if it was on email or Twitter. Um, God, they mentioned God of War 3. Oh, it was, yes. ja- it was Jacoby. God of he, War 2. Well, 2 and 3. Uh, Jacoby sent in a note to me oh. on F.A., and he mentioned that, and I, I have played God of War 3, and that starts, Gaia. you know, the God of War 2 ends and God of War 3 begins with you on the back of a, uh, of a Titan. Isn't it Cronus that actually is one of the boss battles where yes. you fight your own grandfather like that? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of silly. And there's actually one part in God of War 3 where you he actually has you between his index and thumb. That's and... The where the fight starts. Is it? Yeah. Because I, I want to see what happens if you don't decide to... Uh... Uh, push B over and over and over again. I've never done it. <laughs> I would like to see it. <laughs> Gaia as well, like the size scale in that game. Like we were talking about Asura's Wrath, but I think the only rival to that is God of War because you're on the back of Gaia, which Gaia is climbing up Mount Olympus. And when you see the trailer, you're like, there's trees, full size trees. You're fighting monsters on the back of Gaia. It zooms way out, and you're like, holy crap, that's Gaia! But then it zooms out even more, and you're like. Mount Olympus! Gaia's like a speck! What? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like... Uh, and, and, and I don't think you, you've played God of War 3, have you, Kenson? You've not played that? I have only, I've seen the entire game, but it was from a Let's Play. I haven't gotcha. played the actual game. Yeah, and, and that's one of those ones that you know it, it picks up from the end of, of 2 and just yeah. goes into how... You know how crazy that sense of scale can end up being when you're fighting mm-hmm. the, the gods and, and, and dealing with the titans. Romans had it right. <laughs> I think the Egyptians had it right because they put animal heads on their gods. That's honestly. true. That's true. Rip Roar Rex has a <laughs> he has a piece of art with Anubis as a character. One of my favorites from him. As far as the other questions that we kind of asked about last time, uh, Adrian Moore did bring up. Uh, <laughs> did write in to email to us. I know he has the same name or same first name at least. As I know. Orca. I, I I I told him that I'm like what I <laughs> totally have a character that I made a while ago with your name. <laughs> but uh, but he does that try to answer the which size I be I would be if I could change size. Well, I would be smaller, but in the real world, of course, there's there'd be a lot of limitations and dangers being too small. So probably about two or three feet would be awesome. The idea oh. of which does kind of go with what Kenson was saying about how the uh, the build etc. play into how plays into how the size looks and feels. Of course, there are dwarves and midgets and also these things called children, I've heard, who are around three foot <laughs> odd tall and sometimes less. But if someone were shrunk proportionally to that height, they would seem a lot smaller. Uh, kind of like what you were saying, that even though you're a macro Kinson, you're next to someone like, like me, you're, you're seeming a little yep. shorter because of your build. Yeah, I'm, I'm tiny. I'm five foot seven, so my whole entire proportions, even if I'm multi-miles multi tall, it's, I'm still short. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, then we also had Bart St. Bernard on Twitter write into us about the city uh, that they would want to live in. And he said, if I had to choose a city to be in permanent size lock, it would be Los Angeles. Uh, lots of rock and roll history. That's what I said, too. Yeah. Did I? But yeah. rock and roll history, I'm trying to I – w- I would think more like well, that's Cleveland. Nashville or Cleveland, yeah. Maybe rock Detroit. I don't really think of – I don't think of Los Angeles as rock and roll history. <laughs> this is why they throw boots at pet cats on the fence, by the way. <laughs> and then, of course, we have Dragonian, as we kind of mentioned before, who uh, basically said that the reason that he – or he answered both the questions. Uh, the first question oh. about the size – uh, he, said, he said eight foot four, uh, eight foot four inches. There's a reason that I picked that as the base size of his character Dragonian. It's huge, massive. It doesn't sound like much when we're talking to other macros, but try picturing someone in real life yeah. where you're only tall yeah. enough that your eyes are level with maybe the bottom of their chest, if not their navel. It's so big yeah, that a I lot said, of normal things won't be possible. Yeah, yeah, because I said 50 feet because a lot of times macros are like, oh, 50 feet. But if you go outside and look at your oak tree, that's not even 50 feet, or it could be. But, like, a light pole, add, like, three more light poles on top of that. That's 50 feet. Yeah. So, it's bigger than you think. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then as far as being trapped in a city, he said, he actually gave three answers, which I think goes against the whole purpose of the question. But uh, he does kind of write a little bit uh, interesting about him. He says, London, you know, the, the kind of the joke you would get Ooh. after, that might get old after a while, would be, uh, not so big now, are you, Ben? Oh, gosh. And then with Tokyo, of course, you've got <laughs> every Godzilla <laughs> joke ever. <laughs> He would probably uh, probably beat that joke into the ground yeah. or stomp it into the ground. <laughs> and then in Washington, D.C. Or stomp Big Ben into the ground. Well, then in Washington, D.C., uh, in front of the Washington Monument, you know, of course, he would have to say, mine's bigger. But I think he ultimately, he said he ultimately Thanks, decided Tom. on, I'm just going to move on from that, let that kind of sink in. But no, uh, okay. he ultimately decided that. Obviously, he's talking about toes. Yes, course. the toes. Right. Totally. <laughs> I was gonna, I was thinking tail actually, but whatever. But he did decide that uh, the St. Louis metropolitan area is uh, pretty much perfect for a macro, uh, and that's where he, he lives now. Uh, but he got, it's got everything. It's got a, a little bit of everything for a macro. The main area of the city has large buildings to mess around with, lots of streets with looming skyscrapers, uh, and he doesn't even mention the. Oh yeah, he does. The the. No, he doesn't even mention it. Conveniently placed toe ring right out in the open. Yeah, he doesn't mention the arch, which is something that I would think that would be obvious about talking about St. Louis. But I guess maybe it was just too obvious. Yeah, it's still one of my favorite, like I've mentioned it before, but Cougar's uh, little doodle where uh, I believe it was um, Zelina, maybe, is actually putting the St. Louis arch on as a toe ring. And I'm like, oh yeah. That's that's fantastic. Well, wasn't, (laughs) Taryn, wasn't that one of the macro stats that you... uh, yeah, you definitely. Yep. So as far as kind of keeping with what we did last week, then, and, and of asking a, a question to the uh, to the listeners that they can kind of write in and answer, uh, Kenson, do you have any uh, uh, questions that you want to ask? I kind of made a question last week, so I want to give mm-hmm. you an opportunity. And also, I guess you, Tieran, as well, since you you have a guest, we could ask one or two questions if you want to have someone try to answer them and write in for that. Okay. Well, uh, if you had to choose. Somewhere to ride on a macro cross country. What spot would it be, and why? I guess. Hmm. Like whether that be on the paw, underneath the paw, on the head, the hand paw, on the nose, what have you. So I guess that's my question. That's a good question. What do you think about that, Taryn? How would you answer that? Personally, I'd probably ride on the nose, uh, and I'd probably on a dragon for the flight because that's kind of awesome to be able to fly. I'm trying. Uh, 
actually, I actually have an idea for a drawing where I'm actually going to do a dragon as, like, working as an airplane. Yes. So that's got a few. That's got a few ideas percolating for drawing later on. I just. You also have a picture of um. I can't remember who it is. It's it's a bat. I know that. But like flying and just the just the pic, the image of a macro flying. It's something else because it's like you always see a macro stomping, like limited to Earth. No. A bat that's a macro can fly or an avian or what have you. That's and lo- mm-hmm. Yeah, the picture you have is like, maw is opened up wide, tongue splayed out, about to <laughs> nom an airplane in flight. And I'm like, uh, well, I, I know I talked about a really in, interesting idea. Well, I know I talked about it in episode one, but that was probably one of my favorite scenes in Pacific Rim, where the 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 kaiju actually took flight with the the yeah. the Jaeger in hand, and 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 that yeah. was just a really cool thing that you don't normally <laughs> think about in seeing that. So yeah. Yeah, because you think, oh, you're giant, you're heavy, you can't fly. Nope. 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 You are so wrong. As far as how I would answer that, though, I would probably, you know, there there are different parts. The paws would be cool, but at the same time, the paws are also going to be probably the most hazardous part because they're, you know, stomping around and and running into buildings and things like that. But what if they're mine and they don't hurt? Well, well, I'm not even talking about that. Like, like you're going to have all, not not getting hurt by the paws, but having all the debris that the paws gets run into and and getting kind of crushed by that. We could take a stroll along the countryside, though. And then, of course, you know, depending on how much I like the the macro, there's there's some other parts that uh, that could be fun to to ride on. But uh, I think I think ultimately what I what I would decide with uh, both for safety as well as just for uh, you know fun would be the the shoulder uh, because at the shoulder uh-huh. you can you can converse with the the macro uh, you, you can you can talk to them if if they are friendly. Uh, you're you're not going to be in a dangerous spot because it's you're up close to their head. You're not going to, unless they're tackling buildings and running into them, headbutting them. You're not going to have to worry about that. Um, mm-hmm. And you can then get almost the same level of perspective that the macro would of being, you know, 200 or 500 feet high and, and just looking yeah. down upon the world. Yeah, that that just just looking down. Like if you weren't blessed with the ability to grow that big, just being able to be on a macro and looking down is pretty much the same thing. Like you're just you're not just you're not just taking a ride. You're experiencing the power. You're experiencing the oh my gosh, I'm hundreds of feet tall on the shoulder or on the nose or in the paw or what have you of a being that could easily just end me. But yet it's so gentle and it's so like this is my friend. So. It's so cute. It's yes, so fluffy. It's so fluffy. <laughs> yes. Um. May I answer my own question? Yes, go ahead. Okay. I forgot you didn't answer it yet. <laughs> well, it's okay. Well, I was the one that asked it, so I didn't know if I had yeah. the... Yeah, yeah you, can, you can answer, answer it. it. Okay. I just thought of something. Um, As a kitty, and all kitties out there, basically, uh, our tails are a little bit more dexterous than, you know, your average macro. So I was thinking, with a kitty specifically, like if you're going for a stroll with them... Riding on the tip of their tail, because they have complete control over it if they do. Because uh, you would actually have a pedestal that you could, um, they could actually swivel it out in front of them, and they could just walk with you like that. Uh, they could have it raised up to almost their face, depending on how long it is, or they could have it lower. They could actually give you a ride too, like lower it and raise it and things. Like it'd just be interesting because it's like a pedestal. So it would be kind of like. You know, going for a ride more like than actually just, um, you know, I don't know how to describe it. It just, to me, it seems like being on the tail would be a little bit more fun because there's more that could happen, I guess. 
Yeah, Especially but... if it's uh, dexterous. So. Yeah, I, I've I've seen my cat flicker. I I don't think I would want to ride on the tail of a cat because well, well, they, about... they change their minds so quickly that tail's gonna but fly that's... all over the place. But that's a feral kitty. I'm talking about an anthro kitty yeah. who's able to control it. I still, you know, I think that would be I a difficult thing mine. to to. You, you're relying you're relying on the macro being of a very specific mindset, and yeah, have, and having me. a huge amount of discipline. <laughs> you don't trust me then. I'm not. I'm not saying this. This is not you that we're riding on. <laughs> okay, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're not the only macro out there, Kenson. Nah. You might as well just modify the question to say like, if you are riding on your own character's shoulder or tail or nose oh, or okay. whatever, that way you have a lot more control over who you're right. dealing with and not have to worry about you know what if he's hungry, what if he's mad, oh, what if he had a bad day, what if I'm he... all of a sudden on my tail. Ow. Hey, where did my friend go? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. Well, I think that uh, so. So, if you have an answer to that question, the yeah, uh, what, what part? Guys what part of the tail or the character you would uh, ride on if your character was a macro and you were not? Uh, then write into us at mail at sizematterspodcast dot com or sizematterspodcast at gmail dot com, or tweet us at sizematterscast uh, on Twitter. And we or will. Or... We may even choose to read yours on next week's episode. I think I have a question now as well. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I was thinking about what would be a great, what would be your dream job if you actually were your character as a macro or micro. Good. That good. is a good question. Freaking yeah. question. Ugh. If you were to live in today's society and you know not be reviled, not be you know destroying cities or anything, how would you integrate into society? What would your job be? I think Ooh. I would have a lot of fun turning the crank for a Ferris wheel myself. Ferris wheel. Aww. Um, <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> I would also enjoy, you know, uh, you know, being an airplane, being able to ferry people yes. across the country uh, as that a dragon. Awesome. Uh, yeah, because you have, be... you still have the power of flight. Yeah. Yep. So, what would your character be integrating into society as a job? Well. There's a couple that come to mind instantly. There's a commission um, picture of yours, yeah. Kenson, that comes to mind for that. Yep. <laughs> I would love to be able to rebuild the stuff that I destroy. Um, as a quote-unquote cat crane, I actually do have a commission that Blonde Velvet did uh, for me of that. Basically, um, I am in my feral, like, on all fours, I'm feralized. Uh, but I'm, like, 300-ish feet tall, and I'm helping... Uh, I have um, a bundle of uh, metal bars in my maw, like carrying it from my maw, uh, lifting it up, hoisting it up to go build uh, a new structure. So that would be definitely one of them. Surprised you're not using Legos. <laughs> oh my gosh. And actually, I'm able to manipulate objects, so I could make buildings out of Legos. That could work too. But then, like, as a second, uh, because there's a construction, there's a constructive job, but then there's also a destructive job, which I actually, um, the idea comes from Rogue. Um, the username who drew Rogue with his picture uh, is SJQ111, I believe. I can't remember the name he goes by, but I know that's his username. And he has a picture that he drew about, like, three or four years ago of Rogue being a car crusher. Like, that's his job. Like, he has a water bottle the size of the building next to him, and he's uh, basically working for a junkyard. And his job is to smash the cars that come in and to stomp them flat. That'd be, you know, so that's definitely a cool job that I would love to have too. Um, 
And then the third one, uh, like with the advertisement, like what we did for the last podcast, I would love to use my speed to get people across the country in no time flat. Emphasis on flat. On flat, yeah. <laughs> so, what about you, big buddy? Well, you just took like every job out there. You just said like four different no, ones. I did. No, there are many Elevator? job opportunities. See, elevator would be boring because you'd just be standing in one place all day. <laughs> uh, what about, uh, well, one of our RPs from earlier, like a lot earlier, an amusement park ride. What? You could, you could actually, like, be a ride, as in, like, have people ramp off your tail or something. When did we, I don't, when did, I don't remember that. It was thing. a while ago. I remember it. It was like, I, think I actually ago. drew that years and years and years ago for yeah. a competition at La Lava Dome 5, one of the sites I started out at, and I think I, I won the competition. The because really? of that, drawing myself as a as a as, as drawing myself as a macro water park. Aww. Yeah, it's, uh, so I think. Yeah, I've. I don't know. I I would prefer something. I prefer not to have a job, I guess. <laughs> but Aww. but no. Uh, I think something along the lines of. This is gonna sound a little weird at first, but a a counselor, <laughs> uh, or or a. Uh, a, macro a therapist, counselor? because one of the great things about being a red panda is that you are just so fuzzy. I'm just so fuzzy <laughs> and cuddly and give the best hugs. And I think it's that true. that's one of those things that people would 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 really appreciate is, is being able to get a, a macro hug and macro cuddle from a, from a red panda. Yeah, so uh, from, from, from that. So you know, that's, I guess, trying to go a little bit off of what you were uh what you two guys both said you know that may be where i would go uh is is trying to have some job where i could use that cuddling and and hugging uh, professionally and yes, so so definitely. so so macro cuddle therapy i guess oh that's <laughs> awesome well, so you just also... sort of you'd like get into a stadium and then people just sort of line up and jump into your tummy fur and be lost for an hour and then jump they out have to line up. exactly yeah could, do it at once. it'd be on a mass scale even you wouldn't have to be one one on one yep well, I just thought of, like, another job you could do, Big Brother. Um, you could be security. That probably cuts down on heating costs in the winter. It. Who's going to rob a building with a 300-foot-tall panda curled around it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Aww. Yeah, air oh, my gosh. The, I want it, art of this now. The air conditioning, air conditioning bills in the summer, <laughs> though, go, go way up. <laughs> I want to try and draw this now. Oh, my gosh. Well, I think that's about that, that. That brings us to a close here for this week's episode of Size Matters. Yeah. You know, it's definitely been a lot of fun, and I, I want to thank uh, our special guest Tieran for for stopping yes, by yes. and and uh, taking up space with us here as we discuss uh, the the topics that we discussed. I hope you had fun here, Tim. Turn absolutely. I had so much fun. Bless you. All right. And uh, in for that, I guess we're gonna say goodbye. Yes, and I, I hope that uh, you guys all join us. Yes, 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 yes. I hope you guys all join us again next week at Size Matters. Uh, I know we'll be raring to, to go again. And in the meantime, just uh, make sure that you watch out for those micros and macros out there, uh, both ways. You don't and keep, keep on growing. Yes. Always, keep always keep on growing. Yes, keep calm mm-hmm. and stomp your paws. See you again next week. Bye.
one more time.